Is it possible that behind the events, moments and changes that are transforming America and the world and affecting our lives is a mystery? Could this mystery go back to ancient times, to the incense offerings of ancient Rome, the processions of ancient Babylon, the tablets of ancient Assyria, and ceremonies of ancient Sumer? Could there be more to the news and what's happening in the world than what you see with your eyes? Tens of thousands of people condemning the Supreme Court's decision to overturn a landmark ruling on abortion rights. Just moments ago, the Supreme Court and this landmark ruling, the court uh, making same-sex legal, same-sex marriage legal in this country across every state in this nation. Enter into an entirely new realm of mystery as you are taken on a journey from the temples of ancient Mesopotamia to the halls of American government, uncovering the mysteries of the gods. Who are the gods? What exactly are they? And is it possible that these ancient entities have returned to the modern world, and specifically, America? Are they right now transforming our culture, our lives, our children, America, and the world? Did this mystery even determine the rulings of the Supreme Court and the exact dates they were handed down as their ancient sign appeared all over America and the world? Did an ancient god actually manifest on the streets of New York City? What is the Dark Trinity? Is the possessor, the enchantress, the destroyer, and the transformer? Where is all this heading? What does it have to do with you? And what do you need to know in view of what's coming? Well, good morning, church. Great to be in God's house with you all today. And I've been praying all week long for this sermon. That was a dramatic video. And, uh, we're gonna talk about some big things today. And I, the reason why I've been praying for, well, that God would help me, but also for you, is because the Bible says that when we speak the truth of God's word, that we should season it with grace. And some of my favorite seasoning, seasonings, of course, are salt and pepper, but on pizza, red chili flakes is a must for me. Anybody else, okay? Uh, how about a couple years ago, there was a sriracha shortage. And I, I just about went crazy. I'm like, where's the sriracha? I, I love sriracha on lots of things. But the Bible talks about seasoning your words with grace. And so there are gonna be some things that I say today that go against the grain of, of what culture would say is okay, but I'm looking to God's word. And so a lot of what I'm gonna say is not only my personal opinion, but it's God's opinion. Everything that we preach and teach here at this church, it comes straight from the word of God, the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand upon the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, Bible. Okay. In every healthy church, which I think we're a healthy church because healthy things grow and our church is growing and you can tell that God is moving because people are receiving Christ, giving their lives to Christ, and people are being water baptized, and people are serving. In every healthy church, there are three people in the room at the table. As you, The church is like a table where people come to be fed, and sitting at this table called the church, there are three different chairs. And in the first chair are the curious, and you may be here today and you're curious about the things of God. 
You may not even be all the way in yet. You're just like, I just wanna know, God, if you're real, Jesus, if you are who you say you are. Christian, what is Christianity all about? What is this God thing all about? I'm glad that you're here. Uh, you can come and you can kick the tires and you can listen and I believe God's gonna speak to you. There's a second group of people sitting in our church right here in this room today and that is the new believers. You've recently given your heart to the Lord maybe in the last few weeks or months or fairly fresh this year. And new believers, you've, you've given your heart to the Lord and everything's brand new and you're learning so much and it's awesome but you can't stay in that chair for long you eventually will have to move from the new believer to the third chair, which is the mature chair. And in order for you to move into the mature chair, you've gotta begin to learn how to feed yourself the word of God throughout the week. So it's not just Sundays where you hear me preaching, but you are learning to read your Bible and study God's word, and you're, you're being sanctified, and God is doing a great work in you through the power of his Holy Spirit, changing your appetite for things and uh, you, you talk different, you walk different, everything starts to change. But what makes you really mature is when now you push back from the table and you put the serve towel on, like Jesus said, if you wanna be great, then be a servant. And you begin to serve the other two people in the church and where you go, where you go to work and wherever you go, you just, you're a servant uh, for Jesus Christ. And you use your gifts and talents to build God's kingdom. And so I know that in a room this size, there are these three people sitting in the room. There are the curious, there are the new believer, and then of course there are the mature. And the reason why I've been praying for this day is because I'm gonna share some things that are gonna rub and possibly offend some, and that's okay, but I would just ask that you don't walk out. Just listen to the whole thing, because my heart is for you, I love you, and God loves you. And uh, with that said, we're starting a message today at all of our Dream City churches called Return of the Gods. It's written by a, a rabbi whose name is Jonathan Kahn who gets all of his content, of course, from the scriptures, the Bible, the word of God. So this is not a message about a book that Rabbi Jonathan Kahn wrote. It's about really the Bible, but some of these ideas and thoughts come from his book, and here's the idea. He says, what if behind all the madness that we see in America today, Today, all these things that have been happening to transform America in a negative way, by the way, our, our world is going crazy, and if you can't see that, maybe, perhaps you are living under a rock, but our, America is going in a negative direction. And uh, what if, of all this chaos, lies the ancient mystery that goes back to the ancient gods of Babylon? Basically, there isn't nothing, anything new under the sun as... Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, wrote in the Bible in Ecclesiastes. He said, there's nothing new under the sun. This is the same old, same old, repeating itself throughout the years. What if those ancient gods returned to modern day America? And the question is no longer what if, but what is happening in America? The Bible is quite clear that we are in a spiritual war. You can't see it with your physical eyes, but there is war going on in the heavenlies for your soul, for your allegiance to either God or to the devil. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter six, verse 12, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Who are these spiritual forces that we are fighting against in our culture today? And what is the mystery behind this invisible world? Okay, in ancient times, in Bible times, wherever you went, people worshiped 
pagan gods or spirits, false gods, idols. People would bow down before these images, these statues, these golden calves. You read about it all through scripture. Everyone that is except, of course, Israel, God's chosen people. The people of Israel worshiped the one and true God, Yahweh. They worshiped the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They worshiped creator God, the one who spoke the world and the universe into existence with his words. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He separated the darkness from the land. He created man in his image with a word. He created Adam and Eve with the breath and breathed lungs into his lung, breathed life into their lungs. And because Israel honored God, God blessed them. His hand was upon them, and Israel became the light of the world. And his favor rested upon them. But it wasn't too long before the people who possessed the land that had been promised to them became a land that was possessed by spirits, evil spirits. So what's the mystery? The three mysteries are this. These spirits are called the Shadim. When the Jewish scribes translated the word into the Greek language, it went into the New Testament of the Bible as the word daimonis, where we get the word demon. In Psalm chapter 106, verse 34 to 36, the Bible says this. They didn't wipe out the godless cultures as ordered by God. Instead, they intermarried with the heathen and in time became just like them. They worshiped their idols, were caught in the trap of idols. They even sacrificed their sons and daughters at the altars of demon gods. The second part of this mystery is if the ancient pagan world was given to the gods or these spirits, you would see manifestations of their presence. And of course, if you look back in Bible times, you see manifestations of demons, of evil spirits in people. I mean, if you just read the Bible, it is there that people were possessed with evil spirits. The Bible goes into great detail of how they would, be, they would convulse the Bible talks about how there was mindless mumbling. Are we not seeing mindless mumbling in the streets of Long Beach today? People, yes, drugs, but drugs is a doorway to evil spirits and it's just mindless mumbling. Lost, confused, there's violence. There was violence in the land back then, there's violence in the land today and even more than that, they lost control of their mind. Well, 2,000 years ago, the entire culture was possessed by these spirits. There were idols all throughout the land that were erected as symbols of the gods that the people served, and even Israel opened the door to these other gods. Man, the people of God turned their back on God and began to worship false gods and false idols and say yes to all the things that the world was saying yes to instead of standing strong and firm on God's word. Even Israel. And guess what happened? The light went out. And there was darkness in the land. That was on purpose, by the way, for those of you who are afraid of the dark. <laughs> the light went out. And the people, the Bible says, walked in spiritual darkness because they had turned their back on God. Oh, man. But thank God for Jesus Christ. The light of the world entered in. The Messiah happened. Jesus happened. 
And the Bible tells us in 1 John, I gotta read my notes so if this gets in your eyes, sorry. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 3, verse eight, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Talk about authority. Talk about a God with power. He came into this world to clean house. He cast spirits out. The Bible says that John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Everywhere Jesus went, the Bible tells us that he healed and he delivered people from demonic spirits that held them captive. And you know what? He still does it today. People began to worship God again and discover the pur their purpose and experience life and life to the full. And then you know what Jesus did? He gave his disciples the authority to preach the word of God and to cast out evil spirits. And so they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the light of Jesus spread throughout Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the rest of the world. It's as if God said once again, let there be light. And there was light in the house again because the people of God were filled with the light of Jesus Christ and the people, the church, became the light of the world. If you are a Christian, man, you're, you have the light of the world living inside of you. Wherever you go, you are to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. When you speak, it ought to be like Jesus is speaking. Everywhere people went, they drove out darkness. The message of Jesus changed everything. This message swept through the nations and God cleaned house and these spirits no longer had a stronghold over the nation of Israel because people began to worship God. But you know, evil spirits don't die. Until Jesus comes back again and the war is finally over, there will be a, a, an ending battle, an epic battle. and You can read about it in Revelation where it'll finally be over. But until that day, these spirits don't die. So what happens to them? Well, this is the final part of the mystery. And Jesus told this parable to explain it. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 43 through 45, Jesus says, this evil nation is like a man possessed by a demon. For if the demon leaves, it goes into the deserts for a while, seeking rest, but finding none. Then it says, I will return to the man I came from. So it returns and finds the man's heart clean, but empty. Then the demon finds seven other spirits more evil than itself and all enter the man and live in him and so he is worse off than before. The latter state will be worse than the first. Some people think this scripture is only talking about a guy, but it's not. Because at the end of the parable, Jesus says this in Matthew 12, verse 45, that is how it will be with this wicked generation. We are living in a wicked generation. So it's not only individuals that can be possessed, but entire cultures, entire nations, an entire generation can be possessed and they can be delivered and they can be repossessed. When a nation turns away from God, these spirits come back seven times stronger and that's what we are experiencing today. If you look at Russia, back in the day, what came in? Communism. They say it was secularism, but really it was demonism. You, you find anyone that grow, grew up in a communist country, they are fleeing to come to America because it's known as the land of opportunity and dreams. Look what happened to the land that gave the world, 
the Great Reformation, this amazing religious movement that swept through Europe in the 1500s. People were turning to God. There was a great awakening, a revival. But then the people again turned away from God and started worshiping pagan idols and false gods and taking God off first place. And when they turned away from God, it wasn't secular, it was demonic. And that pagan ancient world can produce a Nero, but this world can produce a Hitler. So this is now the warning to America and to the modern world that any culture or nation that has been delivered from these things by the power of God, if that nation should ever turn away from God, empty its house of God's presence, that the house will not stay empty, but in fact, what was cast out of it will come back seven times stronger. America has been primarily known in the past as a Christian nation. We are no longer a Christian nation. We are a post-Christian nation. Even our currency on our dollars, dollar quarters, it all says, in God we trust, and they're trying to remove the in God we trust part. God has established us like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden to shine the light of God's word to the nations of the world. There was a day when America was the great sender of missionaries throughout the earth, and now the great movements are happening in China. I believe there's a great awakening happening in America still today, though. The churches are filling up again the churches that are preaching the truth of God's word. Look at our church. It's not great preaching, uh, although we do preach the truth, but there's nothing special about me. It's God who's giving the increase. The people are hungry for the truth of God. They're hungry for God's presence. Now, I know you guys haven't done this, but the majority of people in America have opened the door to these evil spirits and they're giving the enemy a foothold. They're saying, God, we don't want you anymore. We want to do our own thing. We make up our own rules and laws and the world is going crazy and we've opened the door and we've given the enemy a foothold and we're experiencing the return of the gods. We are witnessing a Christian nation turning into a pagan nation. We've opened the door for these gods to return and these ancient gods from days of old have returned, have found the house swept clean and they are repossessing the culture, the land and the people of America today. Who are these ancient gods? Well, these gods have names and they come from the Bible. Before I give you the names though, I wanna remind you that if you are a Christian in this place, this is a place where you're gonna have to clap and get a little joy back in the house that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, all right? That's the truth. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus our Lord. We are on the winning team. We're not losers. We're on God's, God is on our side. We are on God's team. We are a soldier in the Lord's army, and I'm happy to be a soldier in his army. The Bible says that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. So if you are a Christian and you love the Lord, the, the devil cannot touch your house. Your kids are off limits. You are off limits. You are a child of the most high God. All right. But these spirits have names. The Bible calls this spirit Baal, the possessor. When you read the Bible, you'll see this name pop up, this idol, this people were worshiping this these golden bulls and bronze bulls and statues and Baal's whole agenda is to remove and replace. 
Baal's ultimate goal is to get you to remove God from being first priority in your life. And the Bible tells us that Baal caused Israel to forget God. So God has been kicked out of culture, God has been kicked out of education, God has been kicked out of government, out of media, out of the marketplace, and anytime God is removed, he is replaced by these spirits. How does he get in? Well, we have to open the door. Starting in the early 1960s, we removed prayer from school. I just wanna say that's before I was born, everybody. <laughs> God bless you if you're from the 1960s. We need you because you make the church so much more wise. But starting in the 1960s, we removed prayer from schools and you might say, well, what's the big deal? I don't think prayer should be in schools anyway. Not everyone is a Christian. Well, when you take God from the children, you are taking God from the future. So we've pushed God out and we've invited in other gods. And there is no doubt in my mind that we have opened the door of America for Baal to replace God. There was one symbol that signified Baal above all others in the Bible. Do you know what it was? It was a bronze bull. This is what it looked like similarly to what people would worship in Bible times when they weren't worshiping God Almighty, they were worshiping this statue. Well, we have a bronze bull in New York City outside Rockefeller Center. Have you seen this before? Maybe some of you have taken a picture in front of it. It's right in the heart of the financial district of Manhattan in New York City. You think it's just by chance on accident that that happens? Absolutely not. This is a sign of a nation that has turned away from God and turned to materialism. Jesus himself said, no man can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and the spirit of mammon or money. Nothing wrong with enjoying the blessings of God. I want God's people to be blessed. I think it's great if you have things, but things shouldn't have you. If the stuff has you, then God is not first priority. So stop giving stuff first priority. Give God first place. But so many people are trying to fill their lives up with things that will never fill them up. It's an empty void. The prophet Elijah, what a man of God the prophet Elijah was in the Bible. He went to war against the spirit of Baal in the Old Testament in ancient days at Mount Carmel. How many of you know the story of the prophet Elijah at Mount Carmel? Okay, there's a lot of people that don't know the story, so let me tell it to you. There was a king named King Ahab who was an evil king, and he invited all these idols into the culture, and people were worshiping the, the images of Baal instead of God. And so the prophet Elijah calls for all the people of Israel, the people of God, to join him at Mount Carmel along with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah, these false gods. So Elijah took a stand, one man of God versus 850 false prophets. And it was an epic showdown like none other. So you have these sorcerers, these magicians, these devil worshipers versus Elijah, the man of God, the, one, the guy who served God Almighty, the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. And the Bible tells us in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21, this is what happened. Then Elijah stood right in front of them and said, how much longer will you waver? Hobbling between two opinions. And this is what's happening in our world, even some Christians, you're hobbling between two opinions. You have one foot in the, one foot in the church and you love God, but you're, you're kind of saying yes to the world and just kind of nodding along. If the Lord is God, follow him. 
But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people were completely silent. You know what Elijah does next? It's, this is so cool. He asked for two bulls to be brought to him as a sacrifice to the Lord. He even supplied one of the bulls for the other prophets. He's like, I know you won't do this, so I'll supply one for you. One for me and one for you. And Elijah says, it's time to cut the bull. It's time to call it like it is. It's time to stand on God's word. It's time to give God first place in everything. And then Elijah says this to the prophets of Baal. He says, you call on your God, Baal, and I'll call on the name of the Lord. And the one who answers by fire is the true God. And he says, you go first. And so the prophets of Baal, they start dancing. They start shouting and doing all this weird stuff. They start cutting themselves. Oh, aren't we seeing that in a young generation right now? Depressed, discouraged, cutting themselves, trying to make them feel good, suicidal. That is a spirit, man. You know how you cast off a spirit of heaviness and depression and discouragement? Praise the Lord. Give them thanks. In Jesus' name. But all these prophets of Baal, they're worshiping and nothing happens. No fire. Nothing's happening. Then Elijah steps up and the Bible tells us in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 30 through 31. Then Elijah called to the people, come over here. And they, yes, brother, sister. <laughs> they all crowded around him. This is important. This is important. They all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord, stick with me here. I underline, how many of you have Bibles? If you have Bibles, open to 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 30 through 31. I underline this part of my Bible. They all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. Wow. This is a makeshift Home Depot altar that I tried to do. It's not as good as the one Elijah built, but you get the idea. Elijah took the bricks again and he says, let's rebuild the altar. We're gonna make a sacrifice to the Lord. We're gonna repent. We're gonna ask God for forgiveness. We're gonna turn to him to heal our land. He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel, and he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. He places the bulls on it, and then, check this out, Elijah pours water on it, just to like say, my God can do anything. And three times he floods the sacrifice with water and then he calls on the name of the Lord and guess what happens? Fire consumes the sacrifice from heaven. You tell me, well, that's a, that's a make-believe story. That sounds crazy, man. Bible's make-believe. Well, I've stood on Mount Carmel, me and my wife in 2020, and there's a pit and it's black because it's been burned up from this, this event that took place in history. First Kings chapter 18, verse 39 and when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. Somebody's gotta get the fire back. Somebody's gotta, gotta get the passion back for God. Somebody has to have the courage to stand up in Long Beach and say things that goes against the grain and not be ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm patting you on the back for Christians who will stand for God and say, hey, we love you. But this is what God's word says. God loves you, but this is what his best is. It's time for people of God to reestablish priority with God, to reignite their passion for God, to reengage the purposes of God. And so let me give you now the dark trinity that this author 
Rabbi Jonathan Kahn writes about in his book. You're not gonna read, find this in the Bible, the name Dark Trinity, but you will find these names of the Dark Trinity in the Bible. The first one is, this is a goddess, another one. So you have, you have Baal, and then you have an, another evil spirit. It's a goddess. In Babylon, she's called Ishtar. You'll, you'll find that in the Bible. In Greece, you'll find the name Aphrodite. It's the same evil spirit with a different name throughout the generations. Ishtar, Aphrodite, this is the, the seducer evil spirit, the goddess of unbridled sexual immorality. And the Greek name, it's porne, where we get the name porn. I don't have to tell you how pornography has destroyed the homes of America. Has this God returned to America? Oh, you better believe it. 70% actually of the men in this church struggle with pornography, that's the statistic. We have moved from the age, age of the sexual revolution to the age of sexual confusion. Oh, it got real quiet in here. <clears throat> Get less, you know what, though? God's grace is so good and his mercy is new every morning. Thank God for his grace and his mercy. But go on and sin no more, Jesus says. So the goddess, this evil spirit, this goddess says, I am a woman. I'm also a man. This is what this goddess has preached since the beginning of time. This is the principality that blurs the line of what is a woman or what is a man. Oh my gosh, are we confused about that today? One of the ancient inscriptions says, okay, for the next 15 minutes, I'm gonna ask that no one claps because I just don't want it. But just listen. One of the ancient inscriptions says she grinds away at the masculinity of men. Ishtar is a spirit that rages against men. Oh my gosh, are we seeing that today? She seeks to remove men from their calling as husbands, as fathers, as protectors, as leaders. And this spirit seeks to remove men and destroy them. And that's what's happening in America. We have fatherless homes. And it's time for the men of God to rise up and lead our families, to lead the way in worship and prayer and service to the most high God and to make God a priority again. Well, this spirit, although it seeks to remove men and destroy them, at the same time, this spirit seeks to turn women into men. When this goddess was worshiped in ancient times, there were men, get this, there were men dressed up as women and they would dance before the goddess of Ishtar. This is fact. This is what happens when a nation turns away from God. That's why we have drag queens reading children's books to our children in elementary school. That's why we have public school officials and governors of states giving authority to doctors to mutilate children without the consent of their parents because they have convinced the child that they were not born the proper gender. These are the things that are being rolled out in Long Beach Unified School District. I got the emails, I read it. Basically, we've thrown out the Bible in Psalm 139 out the window that says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made by a God who carefully made me and designed me and called me and knows me by name, knows every hair on my head. We've exchanged the truth of God's word for a lie. And this is a goddess who is also a goddess of parades. Ishtar had one month in the year when she especially possessed the culture and the month was the month of June. June has been reoccupied. We have a, a pride parade here in Long Beach full of people that God loves but are lost. 
Last year, it was written into law, the President of the United States of America said, by virtue of the authority vested in me by the Constitution and the laws of the United States, do hereby proclaim June 2023 as Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender, Queer, and Intersex Pride Month. If you are here today and you identify with any of those things, I want you to know that you're welcome here and uh, you are loved greatly by God and uh, I love you very much. I have family and fr friends who say that they're gay and I love them. We have an incredible time together. It doesn't change our relationship, although I do not affirm it. And as Christians, we cannot affirm that lifestyle because it's disagreeing with what God's word says. But I'm so glad that you're here and I pray that the Holy Spirit you know, really does a work in your heart and that you're open to the things of God. This goddess was also linked to a sign. I'm sure you can guess her sign, the sign of the rainbow. But the sign of the rainbow doesn't belong to a movement or to a president. The rainbow belongs to God. And I'll say it again. The devil's ultimate mission is to destroy future generations. He is after our kids. That's why we're so heavily invested in kids' church, that's why on the lawn after church, you'll see this thing called Bible Bucks where kids are earning Bible Bucks every time they bring their Bibles to church and every time they're in church, they get Bible Bucks and then they can get prizes and cool things because we're encouraging being in God's house and studying God's word. That's why we invest in summer camps and youth camps and youth ministry because we're not gonna allow the devil to have our kids. Jesus said this in John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so it's time to stand up and speak up and lift up the name of Jesus Christ. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Which leads me to the final God in this dark trinity. And he is known as Moloch. You'll see this name in the Bible, Moloch. He's known as the destroyer. And these candles that Nancy has been lighting, you've all been, what is this girl doing? What is she doing? She's been lighting a candle every 30 seconds to represent an abortion that has taken place in America during the time that I've started this sermon because Moloch is the spirit of child sacrifice. This is the spirit that caused parents to offer up their children as sacrifices. Israel offered up thousands of children to be sacrificed. In America, we've offered up over 60 million children through abortions since 1973, just because they, not because of out of health for the mother, but just because we don't want the responsibility. In 1973, the US Supreme Court's Roe v. Wade decision was made to make the procedure legal for abortions to happen. And so as a church a couple years ago, when they overturned Roe v. Wade and said, no, this is not good. We need to make it a little more difficult for people. This is too accessible. It's too easy for people to just make silly decisions and to live a promiscuous lifestyle. That's what it is, is an excuse to not take responsibility for many cases, not all. And so we celebrated the overturning of Roe v. Wade as Christians. And it's amazing to me that some people, Christians, they call themselves, said, I can't believe, all the keyboard warriors in the comments, I can't believe you would make a political state. It's not political, it's biblical. God is the giver of life, it's precious. So now, what can we do about the return of the gods? Well, we can do something about it, actually. 
I've asked that our youth to be in the room this morning, all of our junior high and high school students, from the youngest to the oldest, it's time to stay, take a stand for God. So what do we do? There are four things we can do. The first one is take down the idols, like Josiah did. Josiah was a young king. The Bible tells us in 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 25, never before had there been a king like Josiah who turned to the Lord with all his heart and soul and strength, obeying all the laws of Moses, and there has never been a king like him since. You know, Josiah was eight years old when he became king and reigned for 31 years. My son is eight years old. No, dude, <laughs> you're, not, you're not gonna be the king. But Josiah was king at eight years old. He had some great godly counsel around him. His heroes were Moses and King David. So he led with courage and conviction. And when he turned 16 years old, he set out to restore the temple of the Lord. He said, we need to build a new church to worship God. And while the construction project was going on, the Bible tells us that the workers find the book of the law and they bring it to Josiah. And as Josiah begins to read the book at 18 years of age, he realizes that he and the people have not been living according to God's standard. And he recognizes that the entire culture has been worshiping idols instead of the one true God. And so he gets down on his knees. He says, oh God, forgive us, heal our land. And he repents before God. And then he goes to the temple and he calls all the people together and starts reading the book of the law like what we're doing today. He reads it out loud so that all the people could hear the word of God. And he makes a declaration that he will follow the Lord with all his heart and soul and the people will follow his lead. And he orders the men to start clearing the house of all the idols and all the, the junk and all the devil worship. And he removed the Asherah pole from the temple and took it outside and burned it up. He scattered the ashes on the graves of the generations that had opened the door to those gods. He tore every idol down, every statue, every building that was dedicated to the devil. And he said, today's a new day. From this day forward, we're gonna worship the one true God. Man, is there anything in your life that needs to come down today? Today's the day to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. I wanna put you in your rightful place. I put all these other things before you, my own opinion. Lord, it doesn't, pales in comparison to what you think. I wanna fear you, God, and not man. Is there any stronghold in your life, any idol, anything you've put before God, anything linked to the spirits that I've talked about today, pornography or a sexual lifestyle that doesn't honor God? It's a stronghold that has to come down today in Jesus' name. Replace the idol with clinging to the word of God. The Bible tells us to write it on our hearts. Meditate on it day and night. Chew on it. Let it change you from the inside out. Recommit to the house of God. Ask God to forgive you and give it to the Lord. And you know what else Josiah did? He ordered everyone to celebrate the Passover. People had forgotten the Passover. What was the Passover? Well, when Moses went to Pharaoh because God had called Moses to go back to Egypt where he fled from, he said, God called Moses through the burning bush experience. He said, Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt and I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. 
So Moses goes to Egypt and he knocks on Pharaoh's door. He says, Pharaoh, let my people, well, he's a mumbler. He, he had a, he had a uh, what's it called? What's it called? Stammer. He had stutter. Yeah, he's like, I can't be used to God. God, I got a stuttering problem. Well, he goes, he knocks on the door. He says, Pharaoh, let my people go. Well, that doesn't sound real bold, does it? <laughs> and Pharaoh goes, slams the door on Moses. He says, no. And every time Pharaoh said no, God would send a plague on the land. And 10 times Pharaoh says, no. Well, on the 10th time when Moses goes back to Pharaoh and says, Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh says no. And the 10th plague was that God would send the death angel over all of the homes and any firstborn son, their life would be taken. But if you would go into your house and shut the door and take a precious lamb, a perfect lamb and kill it, sacrifice it and take the blood of the lamb and put it in a bowl and brush it on the door all around and over top. If you would apply the blood of the lamb to your door, the death angel would pass over your home and your firstborn son would be saved. Well, the death angel came and all of those families that had applied the blood of the lamb to the door, their family was spared. And it was an amazing move of God. And of course, there was great sorrow in the land because all of the pagan worshipers, all the ones that said, nah, God's bluffing, they didn't do it and they lost their firstborn son because God was serious about this business. So Josiah said, we're gonna celebrate the Passover again. Well, have you applied the blood of Jesus Christ to the doorpost of your life? That's my question today. It's only by the blood of Jesus Christ by which you're saved. Your sins, though they may be like crimson, it's the blood of Jesus Christ that washes you and me white as snow. The third thing that we can do is we can rebuild the altar like Elijah did, where we reestablish priority with God. We're here every time the doors are open. We're getting our passion back for God. We're putting God first in our family. And lastly, what can you do about the return of the gods? Well, you can shine the light of Jesus wherever you go and be bold about the gospel of Jesus Christ and talk about Jesus and what he's doing in and through you. I know we're not perfect, but ask God to use you every single day. And the words that come out of your mouth and the things that you speak and the way that you act, may they be holy and Let's live righteous lives with the power of the Holy, Holy Spirit at work within us to be great witnesses for Jesus. He's the hope, he's the way, he is the anchor to our soul. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. And this dark world that is getting darker, it's time for the light to get brighter. I wanna close with this final verse today. I love how Joshua, another great man of God, he drew a line in the sand. And he said this in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. If you don't wanna worship the Lord, then choose here and now. Will you worship the same idols your ancestors did? Or since you're living on land that once belonged to the Amorites, maybe you'll worship their gods. I won't. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I pray that that would be the case for everybody here today. Amen.
We're gonna close today a little bit differently than probably many of you have experienced, but the team is gonna lead this song. And as they lead this song, it's our prayer. This is the prayer over you right now. You don't have to stand, but just stay seated and receive this. This song is called The Blessing, and I hope it blesses your heart. And I pray this over the people today as our team leads this, and I'm gonna give an invitation in just a moment. His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace.
Well, I sense, I, I sense the Lord is moving in this place. I sense there's a stirring in some of your hearts this morning. You wanted to sing the song, but you couldn't. And I wanna give an invitation for you to come today to receive Jesus Christ if you have not made Jesus your personal Lord and Savior. On the count of three, when I get to three, I'm gonna ask you to move out of your seats so that I can come and pray for you today. One, two, three. Would you move out of your seats if you'd like to receive Christ this morning? Come right here before this altar. I would like to pray with you today to make Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior. Amen. 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 Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Come on. Man, I'm so honored. Jesus in the streets and Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. And Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. If there's anyone else that wants to come, now's the time. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you want me to go with you? Do you want me to go with you? I'll go with you right now. Come on in. Would you make some room here for everybody? God bless you. Amen. This is the prayer. Let's pray. I'm going to lead you in this prayer. Everyone out loud and strong, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Today I repent. I turn from my ways. And I go your way. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross, for your blood that was spilled, for the sacrifice of the cross. Cleanse me, make me new. From this day forward, I wanna live for you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and change me from the inside out. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, I want to continue to pray. Lord, I pray for all the folks that are standing here this morning. What a great day. The old is gone. The new has come. Today, the slate is washed clean. They're Christians now. They're followers of, G of you, Jesus. They're disciples. I pray, Lord, that you would use them to do great and mighty things for your kingdom. Lord, we want to serve you and be used by you. Would you use them to do awesome things for you? Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Give them the power to do all that you've called them to do. Wherever we go, we would be light in the dark places. Lord, that you would develop the fruits of the Spirit in our life. Lord, that you would give help us with peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. Lord, I thank you for this beautiful day in your house, people who are making commitments to you today. And as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. There are many here that say, I'm gonna recommit my life. I've kinda, I grew up in church or I walked away, but today's the real deal. Lord, today's the real deal. I'm going all in for you and I praise you, God, for those decisions. There are some who are conflicted in this room right now. 
their lifestyle doesn't match up. They want to serve you, God, but it's going to mean that they're going to have to leave that old stuff behind. And I pray that today is the day where they say, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to go full in with you, God. And whatever you say, I will do because you know what's best. We love you, Lord, and we ask you to have your way in Jesus' name. And all God's people say a good amen, 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 amen. Amen, amen. For those of you that came forward this morning, I want you to know that your past is forgiven. The past and the future has been forgiven because of the power of Jesus Christ. And his grace and mercy is so good. His grace and mercy is so good. I also, I also want you to know that today's a new day and you have the Holy Spirit living in you. The light of the world now lives in you. And so wherever you go, you take God's presence with you. You don't need to walk in fear because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and a sound mind. You don't need to be confused anymore. We have the word of God. So if you don't have a Bible, this is God's word. He wants to speak to you and change you. And this is primarily how God wants to speak to you through God's word. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles in the lobby. Make sure you get one. Join a community group in this church so that you can learn and study the Word of God and get new friends that are going to help you grow and walk this new Christian life. We're so proud of you. It's an amazing day. You know what else? You know what else is awesome? Sorry, I'm, I'm taking more time here, but I want you all to know that if you really prayed that prayer sincerely, that you have a home in heaven now. And uh, when Jesus comes back or when you die, the Bible says that when a Christian dies, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so you don't need to fear death and you don't need to fear Jesus coming back. In fact, I pray God come soon. But listen, there's a lot of people that don't yet have Jesus Christ in their heart. And we gotta tell the world because a lot of people are lost and need the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. But you have a new home in heaven. Your eternity is secure. You once were going to hell, but because of Jesus Christ, you're going to heaven and you have God's presence living inside of you and he's the, your best friend. He's your best friend. I love the Lord. Do you love the Lord? He's amazing. God bless you, church. Have a great rest of your week. Amazing. God bless you guys. Let's continue to worship the Lord. God bless you.